we can use it in all kinds of ways. And to terrify, to scold, to, to, um, one can use it to bore everyone to death, one can use it to express love and affection, descriptions, analysis, reason and logic. But, and so we're not trying to, to make any comment about language, but understand that, that this, this is a conditioned phenomenon. Language is conditioned. Thought is conditioned. And it feels like this. So we're, we're putting ourselves in that position of the knowing, the buto, the knowing, knowing it's like this. The unknown, the things we don't know, what the next millennium will be like, or even next year, or even tomorrow. But we can take for granted that, a lot, that tomorrow will probably be not all that different than from today. We can make that assumption. Uh, and But the next century, next millennium. There's all kinds of predictions and uh, Nostradamus predictions and, and astrological predictions, stories and rumors. Don't know if they're true or not, do you? Because you can't know and the future is unknown. So not knowing is like this. Now, this is a reflective way to use the mind, meaning we, uh, we use experience in the present and, and observe, witness. And this doesn't mean like a, a cold, analytical uh, observation of experience, because in order to really observe, you've got to w- willingly experience your feelings and emotions. You're not just uh, divorcing yourself from emotion or feeling by looking at it and just pretending that you, you're actually witnessing it and then uh, and uh, that it, uh, it it is the way it is. It can be, end up as merely dismissal of what, fe- what you're feeling or deluding yourself that you are really aware when actually you maybe have taken a position then there's a kind of uh, unwillingness to feel life, to engage in feeling and emotion, to to really let it be consciously accepted and not judged, but accepted for what it is. So if, if you hold to the idea of just merely an intellectual position, which is a judgmental position, you know, like my emotions are like this, and then I can, I can make intellectual judgments about uh, the quality of my emotion at this time. Because it usually comes out as, you know, some kind of 
of uh, criticism or value judgment about it. And that's the intellect, that's the, the, the judgmental ability of the mind. So, so intellectually we can be very critical of our emotions or someone else's emotions. If you're a very intellectual person, you love to think and analyze, then, then you find people's emotions are very, you, you can feel very uncomfortable around them. Because you don't want to engage in that emotional experience or feel it. You just think there's much to do about nothing, uh, silly, making a scene. The ways of just kind of pushing it aside. And, and, but it, all that is, is some kind of intellectual judgment about it, isn't it? About your own emotion or someone else's. That's the intellect. That's not the buto. That's not... The, the knowing. Because the knowing transcends the intellect. So it's, uh, intellect is another condition, function of mind. So we can, we can uh, see how attached we are maybe to ideals. They're, they're they're intellectual, you know, about how things should be, the best. Or the judgments about right and wrong in regards to the conditioned realm. We, we have very strong views about what's right, what's wrong, what's morally right, what's morally wrong, moral and immoral, good and bad, beautiful and ugly, and all this. These can get us going into are very strong feelings of, of righteous indignation of being right and somebody else being wrong. Interesting listening to to the uh, you know this uh, letting free some of the uh, the uh, IRA prisoners uh, now in these uh, this movement to uh, uh, bring peace and harmony to Northern Ireland. And yet various people see that you're letting, you're freeing murderers and criminals because they've killed people, so they're murderers. That's one way of looking, that's a judgment, intellectual judgment, isn't it? That an IRA person who was responsible for the death of somebody is a murderer. Well, that's a very heavy statement. Murderer, to me, is a really heavy thing to call somebody. So, uh, but that, uh, and, and in one way you could justify, you could, you could put them in that category of murderer, uh, and then feel very righteous about that they shouldn't be let loose onto the side, they should pay for their crime, and you shouldn't let them out. The same thing's happening in, in, uh, in the Middle East with I I Palestine and, uh, Israel, like the Palestinians are upset because Mr. Netanyahu won't let uh, who he considers Palestinian murderers out of prison because some of these, he's letting, he doesn't think that the Palestinian terrorists are murderers and criminals and shouldn't, he shouldn't let them go. They, they should remain in prison and be punished. That's a very righteous position. And yet to the Palestinians, they're national heroes. <laughs> 
because they, the, the actual uh, death of people involved was, was from a position of, of some kind of uh, patriotic uh, belief and uh, commitment to the liberation of the Palestinians. And so you can look at it from that position, isn't it? One can look at it from one, one way or another. Remember, one woman, one woman I knew, knew uh, had, uh, had an abortion, and then somebody said she was a murderer because she had an abortion. And so that, that, that's a, that's a pretty heavy thing to call, to, to, to tell somebody. So language has this power, doesn't it? It can really, it can really, uh, the, the judgments we have on ourselves or on each other. Just notice the, how, how powerful language can be and, and how a strong word, uh, accusations can be and how they affect yourself like how just judging yourself what what do you what what is what kind of opinion do you have of yourself right now and uh, and just you know just what that particular uh Word or that concept has as a as a as an emotional experience. So reflecting from the Bhutto, from the knowing position, is is recognizing that the the power of language, emotion, that it is the way it is. It's 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 and and it and that isn't a. a a, a denial or rejection or dismissal, but it's it's a, an embracing of the way it is. It feels like this to feel this emotion. I have to be willing to let it become fully conscious in the present. So that's not a just dismissing it, is it? It's it's a willingness to let it to feel, to be hurt, to experience pain, grief. Indignation, resentment, and, and greed, hatred, and delusion in all its forms, variations, permutations. with uh, General Pinochet. So all kinds of opinions going around about whether he should be sent back or sent on to Spain or whatever. It's because that perception arouses so many, so much feeling. Now whether you're Chilean, whether you uh, or not, or whether you, you're uh, humanitarian, or whether you're you're someone who, who really doesn't care. That means nothing. With all kinds of labels like uh, uh, 
like a a torturer and one who's committed genocide. They they they, they use to describe Pinochet, one who promoted genocide and a torturer and a killer of other human beings. These are very heavy, heavy perceptions and they feel they have a certain power on the emotional level. Or the righteousness that one can feel in condemning somebody like that. That's another strong emotion. A sense of somebody like that should be punished and should be Shouldn't, they shouldn't let him get away with it. That sense of being righteous feels like this. In your body, you can actually feel a strong emotion, you know, in, in the guts and in your heart, and that you begin to really note, note the signs of tension when, when, when various things are said or heard, gossip, rumor. Uh, compliments or insults, threats. Or just the way somebody, uh, the body language of others, and the way somebody walks toward me. I can, sometimes I can feel, suddenly feel very, uh, an emotion arising. Just by the way they, they're holding themselves, the way they look. So, so in uh, this is this noting how strong these these things affect conscious experience in the present: body language, uh, colors, light and dark. The 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 whether it's sunny or or and bright and warm or rainy and cold and gray. We feel all of this, whether the the. The, the attitude of the community is positive or negative, whether we're going on a high or on a low or on a, on a plateau. Whoever comes, say, lives here, Dhammavati is going to feel in some way what is here. Because this is what, what being conscious and being sensitive is about. We're not just uh, kind of isolated entities that that can just live uh, in a in a in a world in a shell that that is not affected by the things around it. So we use these occasions, these opportunities for reflection. So reflection isn't judging; it is not not uh, analyzing, but it is noticing. In the accepting of emotions and the actual allowing them to be consciously experienced, then then we can reflect on it in terms of its impermanence. Because once you've kind of gotten over the barrier of of fixing it with a perception and a judgment, you know, labeling it and and then judging it. Once you stop doing that, and you're actually with the feeling of it, 
know, uh, you know, knowing the feeling of it, there's no way you can can keep that feeling static or permanent. It's, it's obviously, you know, it, it changes, and it it's not uh, it's not something that has any any permanent core to it. With perception, you can you can give it the impression that it is permanent. You know, like like this person is is an angry person because they happen to get angry a lot, and we we can fix when we think, you know, that person, yeah, he's he's really angry, and then uh, and then we uh, this that alone that that kind of judgment tends to fix it in our mind that this is this is. That this person is permanently that way. The assumption is there. But when you look at, at anger as experience, you know, even no matter how quickly you get angry or how often it happens, when the more you're aware of it as it really is, you see it's 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 it is very ephemeral and it's never, it's never the same. It, it is always kind of uh, in a constant flux, in, as as an as a as an emotion, as a feeling in the in the mind and body. And that's why the knowing, the, the this knowing, direct knowing, mindfulness, uh, awareness, intuitive awareness, intrinsic awareness, is a different words that I've heard used. Choiceless awareness, Krishnamurti, choiceless awareness. Awareness, that's the, that seems to be a fairly constant one. But talking about it does, like saying, observe your emotions, that does give, many people criticize that, it's like you're, you're, you're judging your emotions. This is what I, my, the point I want to make. This observing, this witnessing, this buto, this knowing, is not a, a, a cold, uh, remote, and distant observer of any of, of your emotional experience at all. To do that, that's your intellect will do that. My intellect, if I have an emotion, that my my intellect, you know, the old, there it is again, you know, that stupid, you know, they get angry over some stupid little thing. Uh, and that is the intellect, that's not the puto, isn't it? That's judgmental, it's condemning. Or it says, oh, anger, you know, how many years have I been practicing and I still get angry? What's wrong with me? Or I can blame you and say, you, your fault. If you were a sensitive and thoughtful person and really loved me and really cared for me and really were, were you know, uh, really sensitive to my, to my emotional delicacy in my, uh, then you wouldn't say those things or do those things that make me angry. And so you shouldn't do that. And that's that's uh, that's going out to blaming somebody else and blaming yourself. That's not buto. Buddha, but, buto. The this is the 
the mantra of the Thai forest tradition. <laughs> the intellect judges and, and uh, comments, you can analyze, can, uh, you know, can, you can relate to, say, the world or emotional experience or ideas or anything on the level of, of, uh, of judging. So, like, like the cool, distant intellectual, you know, that is not one of these sloppy emotional people that, that weeps and cries and, and gets all gooey and, and that around love and hate and that, but as a, as a very cool and distant way of looking at life. And, and, but it's also because the intellect will allow to you, yourself to, will give you that sense of being distant uh, because, and because you're judging it. So it, it can be very cold, callous, insensitive. Looks down on, isn't it? Judging, judging means it, is, and we, how much we hate ourselves for many of the emotions we feel. Bhutto is embraces the whole thing: the intellect, the emotions, the instinctual drives. Like, like, this thing of the instinct. What, what kind of intelligence is that? An instinctual experience that we have as human beings. You know, survival, procreation, things like this are, are basic instincts to, to, to the, to, to this body, to these bodies. And there, that also, we can, we can judge that. Uh, intellectually, instinct, uh, sexual desire, things like this, uh, uh, we can we can form all kinds of opinions, views, and and judgments about sex, or self-preservation, or or the the uh, just the, the need to eat and sleep and. And uh, the functions, uh, the functions of the body. Intellect makes you very distant from it, and it can kind of make you kind of uh, feel very separate and distant and and uh, and remote from instinct. Emotions, we can get very upset by by some of our instincts. Emotionally, we can feel very embarrassed or very frightened or threatened by sexual uh, impulses or or uh, just uh, basic uh, survival feelings or hunger even. So, but the puto embraces the instinct Instinctual intelligence, the emotions, and the and the intellect. This is like the, and we describe this in the Sila Samadhi Panya of 
of the Eightfold Path. So Sila, very much the moral precepts is around, is, is a way of dealing with the instinctual energies and forces of our humanity, our human body, which is a way of, of, of determining ways of acting and speaking that are not in an intentionally causing harm or, or using our physical bodies and speech uh, in, in malicious or harmful ways or exploitive ways or harmful ways to ourselves or to others, to the society. So we have like the five precepts as the, the kind of basis, the not intentionally taking the life of others and so forth. These are very much determinations to, to uh, be, take responsibility for what we do, how we live as a, as a physical being in a, in a society. So they're guidelines for action and speech. Then, then the samadhi, sila samadhi, about the emotions. A lot of times we think of samadhi as not having any emotions. <clears throat> so you think if I had real samadhi, I wouldn't have any emotions. <laughs> but, uh, but as we, as we develop ability to concentrate the mind, then the emotions begin to balance. So we have a, a move towards equanimity. So you're through samadhi practices, isn't it? You're, you're learning to say, let go of the negative nivaranas, the hindrances, releasing you know, or suppressing, at least temporarily suppressing or ignoring or, or liberating the negative tendencies of the mind and, and developing the positive one, the jhana factors. With piti sukha, that leads to ekagata or equanimity, upeka. So this is a way of, of emotionally, uh, um, but, but it's not just, they, they say, real, sama samadhi is not the kind of samadhi of repression. Not, not just pushing your emotional world out of consciousness, but it's liberating it. Liberating your emotions and not attaching to them. Not, not identifying anymore, not judging, not, not uh, grasping, not clinging to emotions. So that eventually through this, then you, 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 you begin to recognize or experience Emotional balance, a state of equanimity or ekakata. And then panya is about the intellect, then is the use of wisdom, of discernment, not discrimination in a critical way, is not a judging things in absolute terms anymore. Panya is the ability to discern the conditioned from the unconditioned, ultimately. To know the conditions like this, the unconditions like this. And so this is all uh, the, the way 
that this path works is through uh, is sati, sampachanya, awareness, intrinsic awareness, choiceless awareness, intuitive awareness. So in terms of judgment, then they, we, we determine to do good and refrain from doing evil. That's the, that's, that's the, the agreement, say, on, a, on, the more, on the level of sila. Do good, refrain from doing evil. Well, I mean, that is, that is uh, something we, we, uh, we encourage to make that decision. That's a responsibility, isn't it? That's up to you whether you do that or not. No one can kind of make, you know, I can kind of browbeat you into being good, but that's not sila. It's not, not something, it's not just being good because you're afraid of, of being bad or you don't have the opportunities to be bad or evil. But uh, it, sila is, is like you, you ask for sila, don't you? Every one of you. You have to ask, give me the five precepts. Please, Venerable Sir, may, may I have the five precepts, or the eight precepts, ten precepts, or uh, requesting to, to, to be going to the bhikkhu order. You have to request it. So it means that the energy is coming from you. You, you are doing this. You're, you're taking this on yourself. Because you, you feel you, this is what you want to do. This is, this seems uh, a good thing to be doing. So that's, that's sila, or morality. Then, then the samadhi, as we, we're not caught in unskillful acts and all kinds of dodgy, unwholesome activities, uh, 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 immoral activities and and that then also the mind comes down because in the more you kind of uh, just follow impulses and and that no matter what they are you know you you get you can't really have much uh, equanimity or peace of mind because there's just there's so, too much confusion too much um, chaos that you generate through being irresponsible and, and just following impulses or deliberately doing harmful, uh, exploitive acts to yourself or others. So then, Zila, Samadhi, Panya, they all work together. So the more you contemplate this, then the panya, the wisdom, you begin to see the value of doing good and refraining from doing evil. As you begin to say, develop that in your own life, and then you begin to recognize the, the, that, the, the value. And so you, you, your faith increases in the practice because of sila because you see that it has a good effect on your mind. And then that helps towards, let's say, emotional balance. And so they, 
they, these are three categories, but they actually are working in harmony. They're taking into account the whole human condition, the instinctual, on the instinctual plane, the emotional and the intellectual. And they're not favoring one over the other, not, not one dominating, but he, they all supporting each other. They're not a conflict anymore or an imbalance. Say with Sama Samadhi, Sama Vayamo, Sama Sati, Sama Samadhi, the Eightfold Path. This uh, path also, well, it is a, an awakened state of mind. You have to know it for yourself. And so this is, this is another, I think why many of us are drawn to Buddhism, because it's so, this is such a persistent kind of suggestion in the Buddhist world. Because who can know but me, what I'm feeling? And as, not, not as I appear to you, but actually what I'm actually the feeling that, that, I, that I'm having right now. And you might think, oh, Ajahn Sumedho is feeling this, but I know if I'm, if I'm aware what the feeling is. And so this is, this knowing, awakened knowing, panya, discernment, and now I see very much it's uh, the discerning, the condition from the unconditioned. Very interesting these days just to, to watch the conditioning of my mind to come up with, with views and opinions and judgments and preferences. Which, you know, they're not all, they can be quite intelligent ones and quite, you know, believable and reasonable opinions and views. But that discernment knows that that's, that isn't the path, is to go along with my thoughts, my views and opinions. Because the, the path is not a thought or a view and opinion, not a condition. So it, it gives space it gives perspective, insight, understanding, uh, compassion, sympathetic joy, unconditioned love. All these are, are natural to this state of awareness. And then action and speech is based on Sila Samadhi Panya. Like the Sila precepts are, are guidelines for say, not doing this, not doing that. But then the metta practice say, is, is uh, active, uh, you know, kind of interest in helping, in, in developing uh, uh, through compassion through love, joy, respect, uh, 
relationship to other creatures, other beings, to the planet itself. So our active side then is a, how we live in this world is, uh, as moral beings is refraining. You know, we all have impulses to do unwholesome acts, isn't it? This is, this, we aren't just, there's nobody just going have, to have, have the impulse to love only. We also have the impulse to hate somebody. So, I mean, this is, this is, this is a human problem, not a personal affliction. And, and so the, knowing that our determination to act on what is good and refrain from acting on what is not. And then the, as the wisdom develops, then it becomes more precise and clear. So that one keeps learning through the uh, life that one has, is living through the through the daily life experiences. As you can see now, you've got this huge marble ball in the middle of the temple. And that is uh, this is a, you know, what, what do you think of it? And um, people wonder, what, what is it for? And then we, it's a, you know, a sphere, an orb, a ball. Uh, it's made out of Scottish marble. It's made from the west coast of Scotland. And uh, the custom on the 4th of July of next year is the paving stones, where that, where that ball is right now, we'll have to remove some of those uh, limestone uh, tiles. There's a hole underneath there. And then we will suspend that very heavy marble ball over the hole in some way. And then... Uh, the royal princess, uh, the King Thailand's sister is supposed to be coming and she will perform the, the, uh, the rite of cutting the, the cord that's holding it and then it'll drop down into this hole and it'll be covered in gold by that time. Gold, uh, with gilt, gold leaf. We'll contemplate this while we have it here till, uh, till the actual ceremony and the chance to to put uh, kind of like uh, uh, a way of using this particular thing so that it's not just a hunk of rock sitting in the middle of the temple or that it's something, some kind of tie ceremony that some prince is going to come and do this and it'll be finished. And we can look at it and just a very kind of well, we've got to do these things or or not really think about it or or participate in it very much. Or just ignore it. Or see it it's not, you know, from an opinion against it or whatever. But 
Brian Curry is a, is a way of developing an awareness around such an object to put your kind of attention onto it. To, to like put a lot of blessings into it, like kind of uh, pretend that you can actually fill it, fill, permeate that solid rock with loving kindness for all sentient beings. And so that this, this sense of uh, this object that we have now in this temple is, is an object that we're, we're really connecting to and bonding with in a way on the heart level. So that uh, when it does drop into the hole, and then people we won't see it again, probably. It'll be covered, and be, but we'll, we'll all know, isn't it, what's under there. Well, if we, if we related to that orb in a loving way, kind of used it as an expression, as a, as a container, and, and that we'll feel a sense of, of, we'll relate to it in a way, we'll remember it. And so even when it is buried under the floor, whenever we come into this temple, we'll remember that. It can be kind of like a nimitar, a sign that, that uplifts the mind, because we, we use it in order to, in, in such a, a good way, lovely way. So this is, this is a way to, to use a particular situation or condition. Now this is this is what I'm going to do anyway. Uh, it's up to you whether you want how you use this this uh, orb. But to me, it's, uh, like this whole temple thing, it's uh, it, it, you know to me it has uh, a kind of magic about it, and uh, because of just the way it came about, and it's uh, the kind of Generosity uh, uh, that came, that was uh, that it generated, and the atmosphere that it has. So it, one one feels, you know, I always feel a lot of. Uh, I love to come in here. I really want to be in this building. I remember in. Uh, at Wapapong, when I first went to Wapapong, 1967, 68, they just built a, a sauna, and Wapapong was in a very kind of remote part of Thailand, a poor area, and Wapapong was poor in those days, it wasn't well off like it is now. So they built a kind of a cement, it was a brick building rendered in cement with a tin roof, a sala they had. They didn't have a, a temple, they had a sala, a meeting hall. And this sala uh, wasn't quite finished, but we, used, we began using it. It was already in use when I arrived. And it, uh, and it was a rather ugly building. And so when you, when you were in it, you always wanted to get out of it. And then I kept rationalizing, it doesn't matter, you know, it's a shelter, and I could present a case for, you know, being grateful for its existence and, and, uh, appreciate it in many other ways. But as an aesthetic experience, it didn't, didn't reach the heart. 
as a practical structure, it was all right. Except it had a low roof, and in the hot season, it you know, You're living in an oven with a tin roof right above you. Remember, Ajahn Chah's talks could last several hours. You're sitting there, and there's the sweat just pouring off, like you're baking in this uh, under this tin roof. So I found myself always trying to uh, get out of this building, get away from it. Didn't like being in it, and and I think Ajahn Chah actually didn't like it very much either because. He didn't put much effort into improving. It could have been improved, uh, but uh, there wasn't, uh, you know, it kind of reached this. They were never quite finished, never quite fully finished. And so later on, he built a, a temple, which was right a, a, like something out of Brazil, the most unusual modern building for Northeast Thailand. <laughs> uh, so strange, not the traditional Thai-style temple, but something that these things think belongs in a place like Brasilia, or you see these kind of far-out structures of concrete in South America. Anyway, it was it's quite a, uh, a, a, you know, a daring attempt to, to create something new and different. And it actually had very nice atmosphere. So one always, and about that time I left for to come here and live in England. But I determined that if I was ever going to build a temple, I'd, I wanted, I'd want it to, to be a place that I actually liked being there. Being there. Not to get caught up too much in, in luxury or in, in kind of, uh, you know, in, in a lot of, uh, fancy decoration and whatnot, but a, a building that you really uh, wanted and, and that kind of beckoned to to me, that actually invited me into it. And once you got in, you didn't want to leave it. So I feel that very much that for me, in a way, this, this building is like that. Very happy with it and, uh, and uh, feel, you know, very, very happy to be here and meditate in it. So this is another opportunity like the, the Buddha Rupa the, on, the, on the shrine and all the, the efforts that people put in to, to uh, improving and, and making this, this temple more uh, kind of uh, suitable so this, this uh, marble arm, contemplate how, how, you know, first of all, recognize how you actually feel about it. Because sometimes ceremonies just seem unnecessary or much ado about nothing or just things you have to do in order to please people or make you feel that something's all right. But for for Western people, sometimes the ceremonial side of life is 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 not really developed or appreciated because 
uh, we can see see things in in just practical ways. Ceremonies aren't aren't really practical. Uh, they're not meant to be. They're 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 on the level of of the emotional world, the psychic realm. So so this. Um, just ask yourself, when you look at this orb, this sphere, this ball, you know, how do you, how do you, how do you want to relate to that? Just as a way of, of just using it to, to, uh, observe what you actually do feel about it. No, uh, and what you, you know, your, your immediate reaction, emotional reaction, it's just fine, whatever it is, you know. Not trying to convince you you should feel anything, but what you are feeling is like this. And then just uh, use it. You know, then I suggest, you know, if you if you want to, to use it for this sense of of moving, using this this thing, this object, in a very positive way. And and this kind of like. Like really have a, I find have a profound effect on, on a, on a, on the atmosphere of a place. Like chanting, doesn't it? Like, like when you chant in a place, it definitely gives a a different atmosphere than if if nobody ever, if you just have uh, worldly gossip and then just uh, a lot. You see, a pl- places where people just chit chat, gossip, and and complain about life, and, and then it has a certain atmosphere from that. Where in uh, where in a, in a temple like this, in the, where it's, it has this, it's a purpose purposely made for meditation, really for the, the meditation hall place where the 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 ceremonies of the sangha, the the sangha offices can take place, and then. The, the ceremonial life of the Sangha can be uh, performed. And then uh, this will be the, the kind of fin- grand finale in, on 4th of July of 1999 when this thing drops into the hole, into the center of the temple. And, uh, and and even though we're, we'll ne- we might never see it again, we'll still feel it. That we'll know it's there unless we get Alzheimer's disease and lose our memory. So I offer this as reflection for this evening. <laughs>